Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? Welcome to another Everyday Life series on decoding how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical principles from Genesis to Revelation. It's under our Everyday Life category. 
You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. In our first series of decoding, we looked at decoding creation, God's thought processes and patterns through creation from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And we arrived at a 10 principle combination that will revolutionize how you think. In this next series of decoding, we'll look at how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership through the life and story of Joseph, also from the book of Genesis. Joseph's life changed the course of Israel. It was through him that God preserved the nation of Israel. Israel wasn't yet a nation per se. It was just a family of 12 siblings. The letter grew into the nation of Israel in Egypt. Some of the life principles we'll cover in this decoding series are our upbringing and past shouldn't define us. Knowing your purpose and calling is the best anchor to go through the storms of life. In life, we need favor and love with both God and man. There are no coincidences in life. God's justice system never fails. We'll also look at work and service, money, and how the economy of Egypt was built from the ground up. We'll also look at investing, saving, leadership, and management. Without further ado, welcome to Decoding Joseph. series on decoding Joseph. This is episode 21. And we have been on this journey of decoding the unique insights into how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, 
and leadership through the life and story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. There are about 11 key life principles that we can decode in the categories of work, money, business, investing, and leadership from the story of Joseph. And we are on principle category number two, which is what is your purpose? Why are you here? Why did God create you? Why did he assign you to this age, to this generation? And we said that until we find out what God has created us to do, why we are here, why God called us, we will never really be satisfied until we walk in that destiny calling. In our last episode, we dived into the subject based on biblical foundation and scripture on the difference between callings and dreams. Callings, I said, are a call to action. Callings are higher than dreams. And I did say that you can fulfill your dream and still miss your calling because a calling is something that is going to require you to become someone different to, to in essence, to let go of what the scripture says, the old man, to put off the old man and put on the new man who is created in the fashion and nature of Christ Jesus. So out of all, in trying to uh, paint the picture and emphasize that point and bring our attention to it, that a lot of people are chasing dreams, but I believe that we should be chasing the calling because of a big picture. Now, if you don't believe that there is another life after this life, you know, if you don't believe in eternity, if you don't believe in heaven or hell, by all means, you can stop at the level of a dream because for you, you believe this is it. Fair enough. But I'm talking to people who know, who at least have received some understanding and discernment and their eyes have been opened that there is what we call eternal life, that from Genesis to Revelation, the overarching theme is God's redemptive plan. God's trying to win his family back to him. The family that was created in the likeness and image of God. We saw that in Genesis chapter one, there was, I call it the five fold calling that we see God giving to man in the book of Genesis, which was said, let us create man now own image and our likeness. He blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. However, in Genesis chapter 3, that all changes. Man is corrupted. We see the fall of creation because of Satan, formerly Lucifer, who is actually one of the archangels in heaven. Then we say man is corrupted and falls from the level of operating as God. Man was created in the image and likeness of God. So man was already created to operate at that level. The, the fivefold calling the man received at the beginning when he was created was so that he could duplicate Eden, which is a prototype out of heaven, and spread it across the earth. That didn't go according to plan. So then 
it became a rescue mission all the way there after my, after the fall of man it, be, it became a rescue mission god's trying to win souls back to him now that's why the overarching theme throughout from genesis revelation is more like a redemptive call to action in the book of psalm 82 we get an update god is sitting in the throne on his throne and he calls unto himself um he brings to attention the fact that all the foundations of the earth are out of course so god is saying hey i gave you guys authority power dominion what is going on what is going on so that's an update from him in that we see in the book of psalms 82 psalm 82 verse 10. no psalm 82 verse 5. then we receive another update from god that really paints points towards this notion of an overarching redemptive plan of man which is in the book of jeremiah chapter 1. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 10, God's talking to a prophet and is telling him, I knew you before you even arrived on the scene, before you were in your mother's belly. I knew you before you, I formed you. And I ordained you and called your prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah tries to back out of it. God says, do not say that I am a child, for wheresoever I, I command you, you shall go, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. And he brings he says a statement in the book of jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10 which is again points to more of you can see it fits within the overarching theme of god's redemptive plan he says see i've set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to do what it says to root out to pull down to destroy to throw down to build and to plant and you can see that four of those callings are more like clearing you know if you're looking at in the context of firming, you're clearing the land before you can come to plant and to build. Then we see more of this redemptive plan in the book of the Gospels, the birth of Jesus Christ. At this point, things God himself has to redeem man. And so God decides to come in the form of a man himself through the body and person of jesus christ and i say that the scripture that a lot of people know about john three sixteen, it it summarizes that call to action it says for god so loved the world that he gave he sent his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life now all of us are kind of caught up in god's redemptive plan we are called to actions and i did mention that when you're looking at why we're here and once you have an understanding that we're all caught up in god's redemptive plan because once god restores his family back to him then there's a new heaven and a new earth that will be created and today i'm gonna get into that we're gonna i'm gonna talk on some really sensitive things because i really want you to understand that there is a rescue mission here and you need to have skin in the game so before i get to the book of revelation what i want to first mention is that 
we see some scriptures that are telling us about the end times, the judgment seat of Christ. You know, scripture says that justice and judgment are the habitation of God's throne, but it says truth and mercy go before his face. So beyond God being a God of love, God is also God of judgment against wickedness, against sin, against all men of unrighteousness. Now, and we'll see that in the book of Revelation, uh, which you can call the book of Espicatology or yeah, Espicatology or the book of endings. Anyways, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 11, we see some heavy statements being dealt to us. We see some really, really heavy statements. And the statement is this. He says, therefore, whether we are at home, no, I'll just I'll just go. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10 says, For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been, and what he has achieved, been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Then says, therefore, being conscious of fearing the Lord with respect and reverence, we seek to win people over to persuade them. But what sort of persons, you know, I'll just stop there. Therefore, being conscious of fearing the Lord with respect and reverence, we seek to win people over to persuade them. And so all of your calling, and we say it in the, in the last couple of episodes, that once you figure out what your calling is, God has blessed all of us with certain gifts and talents. We say these are natural abilities, things that come easy to you. And I say you have natural gifts, but you also have spiritual gifts. And those are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Things like word of knowledge, um, word of wisdom, special faith, gift of healing, gift of miracles, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, uh, gift of tongues, then these two others. So in essence, you get access to the spiritual gifts once you come into fellowship with the kingdom of God. Once you pledge allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become an ambassador of heaven, and a citizen of the ministry and office of Jesus Christ. Okay. Then I said there's also skills. Skills are thing, these are this is what we acquire through schooling or through training. You know, you go to school, you go to college, you go to university, or you go to an academy, or you go to um a trade school. You acquire skills. So we use our giftings and our talents. We use our giftings or talents and skills to fulfill callings, what we've been called to do. Now, I didn't mention in one of the previous episodes something that I didn't really get a chance to dive back into, which is most people today, the way culture is painting everything, is culture 
forces you to get skills and then try to find out where you can find yourself, find out where you can find employment. However, I did say that once you find out your calling, you're already hired. Because with your calling, God has already put special gifts and talents in you that to a certain degree, you can start on the journey of fulfilling your calling. Now, as you go down this journey, this path of fulfilling the calling, you might come to certain places where you need to acquire skill sets. So that's when school comes in. That's when you might need to say, okay, I need to go and do a six month course here, or even a three year program. That's, you know, you have to use discernment. But the problem is today in society is that most people come out of high school, they don't know what, um, most people come out of high school, they don't know what they've been called to do, let alone even know what kind of dreams they have. So then we rush them into college, into student debt, student loans, and we're almost just saying, throw things against the wall, see what sticks. Maybe your humanities, maybe your science, maybe your engineering, maybe try law, maybe try this. Maybe, you know, because people haven't really fully discovered their calling. So now you have people who have accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt to acquire skills that they're not really using in their callings. So when you look at that scenario, you shouldn't be surprised why someone drops out of college and goes on to build, let's say, a big business. And remember, say, for this case, in this context, I'll just stop, I'll, you know, I'll use dreams. Let's say someone comes out of college after one year and they're able to build a billion-dollar business and you're wondering why. Well, it's because they have certain talents, natural talents, that they can already use to start facilitating that dream. Then what happens as they start as they start to bring the dream to fruition is that they start to hire people, first of all, who can believe and buy into their dream, underlining their vision, but also people who are more skilled than them. But these people will help them to fulfill their dream. So you shouldn't be surprised because by virtue, let's say your dream, let's say something you're passionate about, there's already some kind of qualification that you have that God has planted in you to start down that path. But most people go to first acquire skills, they acquire the first degree, they acquire masters, they acquire PhD, now they're acquiring more courses, more certificates, more this, because they want to get into a place where a certain placeholder in society will say, you have enough, come, we've hired you. And people spend so many years in school and, and we saw this during COVID, what happened was that schools were forced to only teach kids, students, their, <clears throat> their students, excuse me, only what mattered. So you had four months curriculums being narrowed down into six weeks because it was why we don't have time to go about teaching you everything that you are not going to need. Like, we're just going to give you what you need and boom. 
so we we saw the education um sector uh education curriculums and how school is done being disrupted however even though these courses were shrunk down to six weeks from four months you still had students paying the full tuition fees so that that really should give you an understanding why when when god says all the foundations of the earth are out of course it's true because how does that add up how do you shrink the curriculum but still people pay so you should know that education curriculums are not really yes the intent is you know to 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 equip you that's true but it's also there's a monetary reason behind it you know it's a business it's a business because it's like well, we, we're going to stretch this thing out for four months, uh, three and a half months, and this will, um, because of the value, I'm putting in quotations, the value that we're giving you over these three and a half months will justify the tuition that you're paying. You know the student debt industry, um, student, student debt whole thing, it, it, it's a big contention right now as well so my point was that the reasons why you see someone drop out and go on to build a successful business or a career is because they're stepping into a calling or they're stepping into a dream and since god has already blessed everyone with natural gifts and talents already you're qualified to start working on that to start fashioning that dream or calling but as you go along the way you might come across let's say certain obstacles where you need to acquire more skills. So that's a general recap. And for instance, if you look up the definition of calling, gift, and talent, according to Webster, this is what it says. When you look at calling in, in Webster, it says uh, there's different uh definitions but the one that i really love is one that says it's a divine someone it's a divine vocation or a divine invitation and in fact there's a scripture that we read from that we read from hebrews chapter one that says wherefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our profession jesus christ I mean, Christ Jesus, meaning your calling is your profession. So when Webster says that it's a divine someone or a calling is a divine vocation or a divine invitation, you can see, uh, I, I, I agree, I align with that. It, it, it makes sense. Then when you look at the de definition of a gift, remember I said natural gifts you have natural gifts and you also have spiritual gifts. A natural gift, it says it's a power, faculty, some quality or endowment conferred by the author of our nature. As you know, it's conferred upon you. A gift is put in you. It's conferred upon you. It is put in you. So this is... This is from the author of our nature. So God, God, you know, you know, our heavenly father.
talking about God there. Then look at talent. It says a talent is, let me also get the definition of skill so that you can know skill, a skill. But let's look at talent. A talent is, well, as I read, I read gift. It said a gift is a power, faculty, some quality or endowment conferred by the author of our nature. And when it comes to talent, it says it's still, um, let me see here. It's a faculty. It's interesting. It says it's a faculty. It says a talent is a natural gift or endowment. It's a faculty. It says, it says it's a natural gift or endowment. That's what it says a talent. So if you're talented at something, you're naturally gifted, but it's an endowment, meaning you've been empowered to do something like that from above. Let's look at the word skill. Mm-hmm. And this is this is exactly what I've been saying. A skill, skills are different from gifts. According to Webster, and I'm reading Webster Dictionary 18, 1828, not this new Webster that has been um, that they they have tried to make um, politically correct. This is the this is the original Webster's, Webster's Dictionary, 1828. Definition of a skill. It says, the familiar knowledge of an art or science, united with readiness and dexterity in execution or performance, or in the application of the art or science to practical purposes. Says, thus we speak of the skill of a mathematician, of a surveyor, of a physician, or a surgeon, or a mechanic, or a seaman. So, you, you, you see, you see what I said is that a skill. This is something that uh, you would acquire through training, through trade school, through college, through a course, through a curriculum. So, skills are different from talents and gifts. But I say that uh, once you figure out your calling, the goal is to now start on that because you will already be equipped by God the Father, Jehovah, to start going down this path. Now, where does that leave us? So, so, that, so I really wanted to touch back on the point of don't be surprised. So that's said, most people go out to acquire skills without acquiring their calling, knowing what their calling is. And, and there's a lot of confusion, you know? And so people come out of college, they haven't found out, they don't still don't know their calling, but they've taken courses and curriculums and they still feel lost. They still can't find their place in the world. You know, they're disappointed because the key is to discovering your calling because that realigns everything in your life. That centers you. That, that directs you into what city you should leave, um, where you should leave, who you should get married to, uh, what kind of work you should pursue, what kind of skills you should acquire. 
So I'm actually strongly thinking that if I was to suggest a, I you know, when kids come out of college, I mean, out of high school, no one should be allowed to right away enroll into college. I think everyone should take a gap year, which is called discover your calling. The first year, maybe it, maybe you can enroll into college, but that first year should not even account towards your academia. But I really believe they should be, you know, it should be more of like a journey of research of what have I been called to do. Once you figured out, let's say in that year, what really your calling is, what you figured out, you've taken time, maybe you've sought counseling and guidance. You and 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 from my perspective, it would be a lot of spiritual um uh guidance really from from the Bible because that's where we find out the creator, the God of the Bible, who, what he has assigned to everyone to call, you know, to do. So I would like, that's what, that's what I would do with my kids. It's like, you can't just come out of high school and then I'm throwing you into the fire of college. No, you need to first find out what you've been called to do because it, there's no point. It, it's a waste of life resources to, go off acquiring skills before you find out what you've been called to do because there's money involved there's time i mean so many things can put you off course you know and then you come out of school and you have this whole debt and now you're scrambling to find work and let's say you can't find work then life is now beating you upside down and so you're now playing catch up you know the pressures of life start to move you outside of your calling. This is why when God says in Psalm 82, verse 5, all the foundations of the earth are out of course, it, it, you can see it. You can see it. Because how is someone, someone that comes out of school, they've acquired a three or four-year um, education, society says, yeah, now you learn because you went to school, but they don't know their calling. They don't know why they're here. And then we set them off onto a path of uh, try and error. Now they're trying to do some courses on the side, new certificates, new upgrades here and here to patch up. They're thrown into the fray. They're, they're trying to pay off this debt. Now they got to work three jobs. Now life is coming at them. Now the pressures of society, or you got to get married. Maybe you got to have kids, other desires. It's all out of course. Before you know it, these, you, 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 you're 60 years old, you're not happy, you've been working, you feel like your life hasn't had value, hasn't had meaning. It was all because you could have taken two years before you jumped into the fray and found out, why am I really there? Now you find some people at 60 or maybe 70 is when they really feel freedom because now they've retired and now to start going after the calling what they're really passionate about. And some people don't have the chance because now perhaps the pressures of life have amounted, you know, that, that you know, they, they, they're no longer in that physical shape and capability to go after their dreams. There's so many other things that are weighing them down. So many things have beat them down. Hope has been beaten out of them. And there goes, you know, 
there goes a full generation not having fulfilled their calling. And then, let's say, if they were fortunate enough to believe in, you know, let's say they now show up at the pearly gets, you know, let's say they, they pass on, they transition to the next life. They show up to the pearly gets and Revelation says the books are opened and their reward, the kind of life that they're going to live in eternity is best off of how they live this one here because this life is an investment for the life to come. And now they're in heaven. Yes, you've made it to heaven, but you have no rewards. You have no rewards. It's scary. It's scary. I think we, we, we've been down playing, and this is where the interaction has taken a different tone, but I, it's apropos. It's apropos. Someone that was con convinced to chase the American dream, to chase the Forbes dream, did that, acquired degrees, came out, even if they graduated with A pluses, even if they worked at these people who have worked at Google, at these top companies that they will sell you and tell you the top hiring companies, Apple, Microsoft, oh, these people have worked there 20, 30 years, they come out and they still feel like they, 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 they were not walking in their calling. It's real. You can fulfill your dream of working at Google and still not fulfill your calling. They come out and they say, I got tired of it. I just, I, I wasn't really finding meaning or purpose. This is the deception around the world. So this person has invested 30, 40 years of their lives. They're now 65, God forbid, but let's say they have an ailment, they have a disease, they have something that now prevents them for, from really going after their dream, their calling, something they're passionate about that God planted in their heart. Unfortunately for them, they don't know that even after they transition onto the other side of heaven, yes, they get into heaven, but on judgment day, God is not rewarding us for having worked at Google. No, it's business. Because every soul, every spirit he sent onto the earth had a specific purpose. And if you did not fulfill that purpose, you're going to be living in heaven as a pauper. Now, the pauper lifestyle of heaven is a thousand times, probably a million times better than a rich lifestyle on this planet because there's no sickness, disease, pain, or death in heaven and all those things. But the point is that there's special rewards for having overcome in this lifetime, for having fulfilled your calling. And if you miss the chance, now you're in heaven and you don't have anything to show for it. This is the scary side of the gospel. You know, we talk about the love of God. Yeah, God is love, but God is a businessman. 
is a God of profit. And I'm about to show you from scripture. Because he has invested resources in you. He has invested resources in you. And if you have nothing to show for it, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you get nada. Yes, you made it to heaven, but you, in terms of rewards, you get nothing. Your responsibilities in the afterlife, you have nothing. You are not ruling and reigning. Scripture uses heavy words in the book of Revelation. It says rule and reign. And so also there's a lot of Christians who think they will get rewards just because they made it to heaven and they'll be shocked. They're not giving our rewards in heaven just because you made it in heaven, just because you said, I make you my Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. That, that is just to get you in. But in order for you to partake of the kingdom of heaven, eternity and everything that God has prepared, that lifestyle, people who will have authority over planets, galaxies, it is people who invested this life for profit in the life to come. So that's why I said a calling, it just shakes your fundamental belief. It shakes the it shakes the things that are the source and cause of the troubles we have in society. Because if everybody aligns up with their calling, you don't even need police. Now we do need police right now because people are going after selfish desires. But once you align into a calling, a calling is a call to action. It's a divine summon. It's a divine, it's, it, it, it requires you to lay down the old self. And we had scripture that was telling us this. And I'll just love to read that. And then we shall segue into what, what is the incentive? Because that's the main theme for this episode is I, I want again to light a fire under you with reverence and fear, which is why should you be incentivized to go after your calling? Why can you not just sit back and say, never mind, I've already, you know, I'm going to heaven or I'm going after my dream. My dream is to retire my parents early. Why? Why is there an incentive for you to wake up and say, oh my goodness, so this is the kind of character that a person going after their calling is inevitably going to be um, is going to be pressured to step into. And you tell me if you listen to these descriptions of characters surrounding a calling, if society would not just automatically be in alignment. But you see, it's because people don't have reverence for God. It's because people do not, you know, maybe they, they don't believe or they downplay the judgment seat of Christ, where people are going to be judged for what they did in this lifetime. When, when you don't think that there is um, a judgment seat of Christ, there's accountability, there's a day of reckoning, it's easy for you to go through this life and say, just because I've achieved my dream, I can leave a mess behind and that's it. There'll never be accountability. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You, you see, once, once you eliminate the judgment seat of Christ and the reality of that, 
it allows you to just free reign through this life doing whatever you want to do and you can leave junk and mess behind and never have accountability it's an easy way out but the truth is that's not how this plays out now you might say how do i know well um really it's the the scripture says there's a day and time for everything so today based on the year 2023 you might still try to argue and say yeah you can believe in god if you want to but i don't and i don't believe this judgment seat of christ that's your position fair enough go on that way go on that path i'm i'm, I'm interacting with people who believe as who have been enlightened as who know that we're not here because of evolution we're not here because of uh, you know um yeah we're not here just because that there's purpose and meaning and reason behind everything so if you know there's a day of reckoning there's no way you can just leave junk all over this planet you see Someone said, uh, I read a quote somewhere that if man cannot be contained by the Ten Commandments, man will have to be restrained by the Ten Thousand Commandments. It's very interesting because the underlying principles, the principles of God, are more of moral and character laws. Because if you look at it, you can achieve the dreams of society. You can be a movie actor. You can be famous. You can be an athlete without a good moral campus and still not even uprightly inspire the next generation. You can be a movie actor with a broken home. You know, the world can worship you. You can win an Oscar and have a broken home and be a broken person and not have you know the ability capability to 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 you know to 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 love one person to sacrifice your life to one woman or to one man or to raise your kids uprightly morally uprightly with responsibility with reverence with respect to society so that's what i'm showing you is that um callings are different from dreams you can achieve a dream without losing yourself you can achieve a dream based on just talent you know but without moral aptitude you can achieve a dream and be held while your life is a mess and that's why people get surprised when celebrity and they act like oh when you hear celebrities committing suicide and all these things and their lives are going down the drain and you're like, but this person has all the money, this person's on red cap, it's because we're missing the fundamentals of life. All the foundations are out of course. A calling, if everybody was walking in their calling what God has created them to do, the whole system would just realign itself we wouldn't have the issues we're dealing with. You can have a man who's a billionaire right now, but he's leaving kids everywhere. 
out of wedlock, just living kids, having kids with everybody. You can have a celebrity, just having, dudes just having kids with everybody. No responsibility. Just setting up families, uh, living single moms, uh, having six single moms. How is that going to build our society? That's another family that's growing up without a dad full time. The, the family is growing up with a part time dad. Who's going to nurture those kids? Who's going to who? Who are those kids going to look onto? You see, society is attacking the foundation of the family. And now, marriage or marriage to one husband, one wife, you know, can be bypassed, but. There is a reason why God put these protocols in place so that society would just align itself. So now we're dealing with all the chaos of life because of deception. Listen to these characters that Peter talks about. If you are to pursue to step into what you call your calling. He says, I'm reading from 2 Peter chapter 1. I'll just read all of it. And you'll see why a calling forces you to become a different person. A calling forces you to become selfless instead of selfish. It forces you to lay down your pride, to put others before you, to walk in humility, to walk in truth. Listen to this. Second Peter chapter 1. And here is Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, special messenger of Jesus Christ, to those who have received, obtained an equal privilege of like precious faith with ourselves in and through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. It says, May grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect, well being, all necessary, all necessary good all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Then he starts, says, For his divine power has bestowed upon, all, has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness. Says through full personal knowledge of him who has called who called us by and to his own glory and excellence, virtue. Another translation says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him, him that has called us to glory and virtue. You see, inevitably, as you go on the journey of a calling, it is to glory and virtue. What are some of these things of glory and virtue? It says, by means of these, it says, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceedingly great promises, so that through them you might escape by flight from the moral decay rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed. You see what proceeds out of walking 
rising to the occasion of a calling, it's glory and virtue. And as you ascend to this level, it says you now escape the moral decay, rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust and greed and become sharers, partakers of the divine nature. Verse five says, for this very reason, he says, now adding your diligence to the divine promises, he says, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. That is excellence, resolution, Christian energy. And in exercising virtue, he says, now that you have developed virtue, move into the realm. It says, exercising your faith to develop virtue. It says, now that you have developed virtue, he says, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge. So now you've developed virtue, exercise it. And as you're exercising virtue, it says develop knowledge. Now, after you've developed knowledge, it says, and in exercising knowledge, it says develop self-control. And in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness, that is patience, endurance. And in exercising steadfastness, develop godliness, which is piety. And in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. You see, this is, this is what a calling forms out of you. It's higher than a dream. You can attain a dream without godliness, without brotherly affection, without patience, without self-control. Now he goes on. It says, and in exercising brotherly affection, it says, develop Christian love. Then it says, for as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful to the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Then it says, for whoever lacks his qualities is blind, spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. Again, the aspect of laying down the old man. It says, because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. It says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Okay. It says, thus there will be richly and abundantly provided. It says, thus there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is where I really wanted to start segueing into the book of Revelation, what the scene that is given to us in front, you know, judgment day, the judgment seat of Christ, the day of reckoning and some of the things, but it, you can see the entry point into that eternal kingdom 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of authority over the next world order of the new heaven and the new earth, it is the entry point is through this process that we've seen, making sure of your election. It says making sure, make, making your calling and election sure. And after you have grown, developed and exercised all these qualities, this is all equipment now for you to enter into that eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In another translation says, let me, it says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, An entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. So now, you start to, you know, there's a place, you have an entry. You have an entry into this kingdom of rewards. Now, what I want to do today, another thing I want to touch on is I want to, I want to, I want us to enter the scene in the book of Revelation and see some of these rewards. I'm trying to get another, um, let us, let me read just these two verses again. It says, the more you grow like this in the characters that I've mentioned, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. It says, so, so, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Let me, let's set the stage here. What is this eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Now, I'm crossing over the book of Revelation where we see rewards being given out. Let's go to that scene so that you can see. There is a reward for a man or a woman who attains this, this character, because as they're on their journey of fulfillment of calling, they are elevated to a place of glory and virtue. But in order to reach that place, these characters and a person that they become a person who I believe that if all of us were to follow our calling, society would just automatically start to realign itself because it says some of these qualities, it says you're going to be, you're going to walk in um, faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patience, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, love for everyone, you know. So this is the scene in the book of Revelation. Guys, it's real business. 
maybe we'll have time in this episode to because I want to talk about I want to show you the what we read in the book of Revelation I actually want to show you more of what actually happens in this scene here in another place in one of the gospels that Jesus talks about okay let's go so I want you to hold the thought where are we right now? We are at this point whereby someone who is making their calling an election, sure, if they do these things, they shall never fall. You know, spoken about those things, you develop this, you exercise this, you develop this, you exercise that. Now, it says because of this, you are richly and abundantly provided for your entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's paint the scene. Let's see what the scene is into this entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm reading from the book of Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 to 15. And then I'll read a portion of verse of chapter 21 that talks about a new heaven and a new earth. But Revelation chapter 20, this is the book of Espicatology or the book of endings. The book of Revelation, the context of it, it was the book that talks about the end times, the judgment seat of Christ, what happens, you know, after this heaven and earth are done away with, there's a new heaven and a new earth. It talks about the final judgment and all of this. So right now we are at a very serious scene here. In the future, Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 to 15, it says, the, the caption reads the final judgment. And it reads, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and campused the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. So you see, I saw the dead, small and great. On that day, every celebrity, president, priest, everybody, doesn't matter, small or great, stand before God and it says the books were opened 
the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You hear? According to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Yeah. You know all those people that you all the people that are cremated all the people who have perished in seas and were never found says the sea give up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works now It doesn't matter. Even people, everybody on the judgment day of Christ will get a fair hearing. Everybody will be judged. It doesn't matter. Even the people who gave their life to Jesus, the people who said, I make you Lord of my life, uh, the people who booked their tickets to heaven, they will also be judged. It says everyone will be judged for their works. Even the people going to hell, they will also be judged for their works. Because God, it says, justice and judgment are the habitation of his throne so he has to give everybody a fair hearing it's okay these people you know in the book of romans it talks about people who are without the law will be judged without the law people who um are with the law will be judged with the law people who you know perhaps Anyways, uh, that's a, another topic for another day. Anyways, I just want to show you here. They were judged every man according to their works. It says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, most people, when it comes to life after, this is where they stop, but they never really go into and you know and talk about the new heaven and the new earth. So, because that was some heavy stuff I just said, let me put some smile. Let me let me bring some light into the room. Revelation chapter twenty one. But you see, the bottom line is that the final judgment before the great white throne, people are judged according to their works. Now, you have to understand that um, what about those who, if I mean, if you, if someone is going to spend eternity in hell, they still, they still receive a trial. You know, whoever is, whether you're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell, everybody receives a trial. Everybody has to receive a reward for their works. However, unfortunately, I need to make this point because someone will say, well, if someone's already going to hell, why are they being judged according to their works? Well, it's this. Because heaven and hell, the, the, the destination, the habitation of eternity, spending eternity in heaven or hell, is not based on works. 
this is where deception from other religions come in. And I had to, Christianity was never meant to be religion. It's a relationship. Because you see, there's some religions that will tell you that if you do enough good works on this day, as you read in the book of here, Revelation, the judgment seat of Christ, that once they weigh your, your good deeds, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you enter into heaven. No, it's not like that. That's deception. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's on the account. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ was made sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's the it's by the way of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that we book our ticket to heaven. It's not your works. Your works is what now for people who, because you can see here, it talks about that the sea gave up the dead, which were in it. It says death and hell delivered up the dead, also who were in them. So these people were already in hell. But in order to say that I am not, in order for them not to say that they didn't receive a trial, it says they were also judged, everyone according to their works, which means that um, your works don't get you to heaven. But your works determine the kind of life that you live in heaven. I know that's a bit, it's like, what? Because these people all think that they, they can, their good works, you know, oh, I'm a good person. I do, you know, I, I don't cheat. I don't lie, you know, but they have not submitted to the authority and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of God. So such people, what happens that on that day says, okay, well, you received to accept a full payment for justice and mercy, right? Which is the person of Jesus Christ, who knew no sin. Yes, you did some good works, but it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you still came up short and your works do not balance the weight. So... That's your reason for not spending your eternity in heaven, as sad as that is. And yet these people who realize that, listen, I am not good enough. There's no amount of good works I can do in this earth to buy my way into heaven. So what that means is that I've accepted the person of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. To, because it says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's my mediator. He's the one that can pay the full price for me. So by accepting salvation through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, now for me, when I get to heaven, having fulfilled my calling is the grounds on which the Lord will now delegate me duty in the new heaven and the new earth. He will delegate me authority. So, let's look at this. 
Revelation chapter 21. It reads, a new heaven and a new earth. This is St. John says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So in the new heaven and new earth, we will literally be dwelling with God through the person of Jesus Christ. But his glory will always be around us. So you now see we're going back to the Eden mandate. Because in the Eden mandate, there's a scene we see that God came into the Garden of Eden and was looking for Adam in the cool of the day. God used to come down into the Garden of Eden, and that's where he would fellowship with Adam. So now we go back to that. But anyways, then he raises, says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. Wow. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. It's talking about when you read in scriptures, it always says the sons of God, it means both men and women. But that's the phrase it always uses. It says, but the fearful and believing, the abominable, murderers, homongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then he talks about, it starts to describe the New Jerusalem, the streets of gold, the precious stones, and all of that. Now, with that in mind, he says, he that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Let us move to um, perhaps that's a good docking place for us. That's what I'm feeling. That's a good resting place for us. There's a lot. So we've spoken about the overarching theme of God's redemptive plan, the fivefold calling that was in the book of Genesis, then the fall of man, then God saying that all the foundations of the earth are out of course. And I've spent a lot of time really showing that why that is the case today. The six type of callings that God has now really put on the heart that are on his heart that we can, we need to engage to start going back to Eden. I spoke about why you can still walk in a dream and still have bad character, still have a heart of hatred towards other people. You can still be an athlete. You can still build a billion dollar business and really not care after people. I mean, go to Silicon Valley, 
you know, the capital of technology and, and, and investor money, all of this, but the home, the disease of homelessness, addiction, whatever is through the roof there. So I'm just trying to show you that even you can achieve dreams, but dreams don't, you can achieve dreams and still bypass the moral character that God requires of us to walk in. Then I spent time showing you from first Peter, from second Peter chapter one about the qualities that we attain, that we are to develop an exercise to make our calling and election sure that these, if we abandon these things, they will be richly and abundantly provided for us entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Then I went and started talking about um, why, you know, we, we, we went to this point of the the, the, the openings, you know, one of the scenes in the, you know, at the end of this age, you know, the great white throne, the final judgment, the books being opened, people being judged out based on their works. And now I say there's a new heaven and a new earth. And I read about that. We will talk about some other things we know about the new heaven and the new earth. And I will continue to build the emphasis on why it's paramount for you to start moving in the direction of your calling. That's what we'll look at in the next episode. We will talk about some of the descriptions of the new heaven and new earth. Scripture has them. We'll talk about what Jesus means when he says he that overcomes. We'll see some rewards that are now given to people who now have been, you know, people whose names are in the book of life, people who have who are going to be spending eternity with God, but then there'll be a separation. Not everybody will be on the same rank. There'll be different ranks. And I'll talk about that. And then we'll look at some parables that Jesus himself used, used to describe the kingdom of heaven. You'll see that there's a reward system when you get to heaven. There's a reward system. And in our last episode, I said, this reward system is best on fulfilling your calling. There's been a lot that's been shared in this episode, so take some time, meditate on it. And as always, Sela, thank you for tuning in. Sela. This was episode 21 of Decoding How God Thinks About Work, Money, Business, Investing, and Leadership Through the Life and Story of Joseph from the Book of Genesis. In this episode, we unpacked the incentive of fulfilling your calling. Discovering what God has called you to do should be urgent, should be an urgent pursuit for everyone. Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, that it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, and it's the it's the honor of kings to such out a matter. You see, you can Pursue and fulfill a dream and still bypass the manner of character that Christ expects from his followers. But when you decide to make your calling and election sure, as scripture puts it, you will be transformed into the person of Christ. Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 to 11 illustrates 
what the journey of calling fulfillment will entail. The Apostle Peter tells us that for this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue. That is excellence, resolution, Christian energy. And in exercising virtue, develop knowledge or intelligence. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. And in exercising self-control, develop steadfastness. That is patience and endurance. And in exercising steadfastness, develop godliness. That is piety. And in exercising godliness, develop brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, develop Christian love. For as these qualities are yours and increasingly abound in you, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful and to the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. He goes on to say that because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble or fall. Thus, there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the next episode, we'll continue exploring the incentive for you to follow and fulfill your calling. That is what God has called you to do. Your host for today was Calvin Kavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.
Take me with you 